Hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast that explores the idea of imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick. I'm your host and I'll be interviewing my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if we all have it figured out or what the key to success is. My guest today is going to be Shelby Etchinson, a San Diego-based pastry chef and fellow Navy spouse. Let's just hop into it. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, thanks to everyone for the resounding support regarding the first couple episodes of the podcast. And thank you to my guest today, Shelby Etchison, who is coming to me from San Diego at a safe quarantine distance in her house. <laughs> Yes, stuck in my house with my dog. Mm -hmm, Same. Uh, That is the resounding mood. Um, But uh, Shelby and I um, are unique. If it hasn't been obvious or interesting, um, it's a pretty big part of our lives that we are military spouses. Um, Unfortunately, as much as we don't want it to define us, It it actually defines everything, even though it shouldn't. Um, and, uh, we find that the concept of imposter syndrome in military spouses is very rampant. Um, it's a feeling of you go from a civilian life into the spouse life. There's a lot of rules, red tape regulations and stuff. Um, just to preface, she and I are officer spouses. Our husbands are in the Navy. Um, And so, uh, not that that matters, but, you know, any military spouse listening out here to this, I really hope that you can listen to this podcast and feel a little more connected. And after this, definitely reach out to me if you need a friend or a shoulder to cry on, because um, I fucking get it. (laughs) So excuse my language, but here we go. So Shelby, um, why don't you give like a 30,000 foot overview of kind of who you are, where you're from, and we can discuss how we met, you know, and take it from there. Okay. So let's see, how do I keep this short? So I am a pastry chef. I'm a Navy pilot's wife. My husband flies helicopters for the Navy and I am a dog mom. Um, I'm originally from Annapolis, Maryland, but I'm currently living in San Diego, California. Yep. So Shelby lived in the Naval Academy is in in Annapolis. So inevitably you might meet someone that went to the Naval Academy and your husband did go to the Academy. So many people that I went to high school with, girls that I went to high school with that are all now married to people that are also went to the Naval Academy and are now scattered all over the world. So super not uncommon for that to happen where I'm from. No, not at all. Not at all. And so my background as a military spouse to, to, to go off of that, um, is, uh, I, was born in Minnesota. I moved to Colorado when I was 10. I went to college in Greeley, Colorado at University of Northern Colorado. Um, and I specialized in PR and advertising. Um, and then I moved to Denver after college. And um, around the time I was thinking maybe I wanted to move and maybe I wanted to move on in life and not be in Denver anymore because I was just having such a hard time in my career. Um, Denver's kind of a tough market. And I uh, met my husband. So it's the saying goes that you don't meet the person you're meant to be with until you show up and start looking for yourself. And so I had been like in a really miserable job situation. I had rage quit, which I don't, do not recommend. Don't ever burn a bridge. <laughs> um, and I was ready for a change. And it just so happened that, you know, he walked into my life at just the right exact time. And, um, 
I fully had no background with military. My grandfather, I mean, I didn't, he wasn't in the reserves, you know, by the time I was born. So I don't really know much. I mean, he'd tell me stories, but I, I, I didn't, it never affected me and I never could really conceptualize it and understand it. So um, it's a weird life. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a weird life. And as much as you don't want it to define you, it defines everything about you, where you live, what jobs you can take, mm -hmm. you know, how often you get to see your, I haven't seen my mom in almost a year. And I lived with my parents pretty much until I got married because I was working at a restaurant in, uh, in DC, which is a really high cost of living. And I couldn't afford, I could, with what I was making, I couldn't afford an apartment in DC. So I was commuting back and forth from mm -hmm. DC to Annapolis. So I live with my parents. I live with my, I saw my mom every day pretty much until he was like in my early twenties. And now I live 2000 miles from her. And that's just such an adjustment. Yeah, I, I totally can empathize with that. Um, I'm not necessarily as close with my family. Like, they're pretty private as people. And, yeah. um, but I have had some family stuff come up recently that has, you know, been really tough to be away from, even if it's, I'm, you know, even if they're just in Colorado. Um, and I'm finding that I've never felt more alone in my life. Um, yeah. And I know that like, this is going to sound like for the seasoned spouses and the ones that, you know, really like have known me for a while or they knew me at the previous command that Scott was joint billet at. Um, I know that they're going to roll their eyes, but I don't think I'm ever going to come to a point where I'm like a hardened vet to it. I mean, it's just, it's never going to get easier. It's always going to be tough. Um, but I'm grateful that I have a partner in it and I have to be strong for them because the biggest lie they'll ever tell you is that they're never going to deploy again. Um, and I fell for it. <laughs> and, um, so anyway, my husband, uh, he's cryptological warfare officer. Um, and, uh, his job is very stressful. Um, and it's, been really hard watching him kind of go through it and you, yours is currently in training so yes like, that's hard too um yeah. yeah yeah he's um currently stationed at he's a helicopter pilot so he's currently mm -hmm. stationed at a squadron in um, San Diego California he's gonna deploy at some point in the next within the next year and a half we just especially with COVID changing everything mm -hmm. we don't know when um yeah. but he's we're my dog and I are home quarantined and he's you know considered an essential employee so we're stuck at home, can't even go to the park, and he's still, you know, going to work 12 hours a day every day as usual. It's, it's rough. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, I will say this because he told me it's fine, I can say it, because it's, <laughs> out in the it's out in the news, so I'm allowed to mention it. Um, so he, their command decided, I don't know whose decision it was, and it doesn't matter. It, they decided for health reasons, it was best for them all to quarantine together on the ship, and then you know, to try and stop the spread of COVID and whether or not that's, it doesn't matter. I don't even want to get into it. Yeah. But the nice thing is, is that he can call me. Um, he will go underway and hopefully um, he'll be back within the time frame that he gave me originally. Um, but it's a loneliness I have never felt in my entire life. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is the weirdest, um, the weirdest thing. And I'm like, this, a deployment's going to be a cakewalk. Like, at least I probably, by then, I'll be able to go and do things. Yeah, like, a deployment, at least we can leave our houses, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And I know we're all going to come out the other side of this with just 
wildly different ways our habits are. This is going to change us as a, as a species. Um, I've been told so, cause I've been doing a lot of reading and I went down a rabbit hole, <laughs> but anyway, so, um, we are touching on it. We're talking about imposter syndrome. Um, so I will get into how you and I met. So, um, it's kind of a funny story. It was very serendipitous. It was. We went to a happy hour. I showed up late. I literally almost fell because there was a lip. Did you remember that? Like at Nolita hall, there was a, like a random step. Yeah, I remember you came to the table and you were like, I, I was almost, frantic. I'm like, I almost just broke my ankle, guys. And I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> and she's like, and Shelby was like, hi, my level of weirdo. Thank you. Um, and there was this point in time, and maybe I'm making this up in my head, but we all had glasses of wine and we were like, cheers. And I swear, maybe like I just thought it in my head. I was, I swear people were like, oh, well, hopefully one day we're all pregnant together. And I was like, okay, these are not my people. No, I think that uh, happened. I think, I think that it happened. did. That sounds familiar. It's not a dig, but um, I have, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm on the fence about whether or not I want kids, but here's another thing that happens in imposter syndrome. Um, with having it and, you know, in the Navy spouse community, especially, um, it's no fault of the previous command I was at, but you know, it was a small Navy community on an air force base and the spouses either were, you know, pregnant, having their second or third child, wanting to retire, retire and grow roots in, in Denver, because it's a really great place to raise a family or they were like towards their last duty station. And so, um, the, the resounding thing was, oh, well, you know, you're 29, just wait till you're 30 or whatever, you know, and it, 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 it's not their fault. You know, they, they gave me a clear picture of what it's like to have kids, but I have a friend that is, um, her husband's now retired, um, army and he's working, I think a government contract job. And she said, deployments are harder with children. I have heard that. And that's so, actually one of the things that we're, um, what are the, I mean, Patrick and I, my husband Patrick, and I want, definitely want to have kids, but we're not in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things is, and I'm sure there are seasoned military spouses out there that are going to laugh at me for saying this, like, God, good luck. I'm really trying to time it so I don't have to give birth while he's deployed. Yeah, and that's People do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Navy spouses, military spouses do it all the time. Mm -hmm. That's my worst nightmare. Yeah, so... I kind of want to like, yeah, that's that. And that's tough. And then like, and I know I, there are people that are like, yeah, good luck planning around that. But you know, we're going to try the best we can. Well, you know, there's Hannah, nothing scary yeah. to me. It's interesting because as polarizing and as lonely as being a spouse can feel and be, um, because you, you constantly feel like as a civilian, like no one, no one fucking gets it. No, and no. I, I, and this is not a negative to those that are listening that are, that have never had military in your life. Like, this is all a learning curve that like happened for Shelby or happened for me. Um, or, you know, the person that married their high school sweetheart and they enlisted or whatever. Um, it's, it's definitely, um, kind of, you, you have hands on your back through community and everyone says that they're there to support you. You have like an ombudsman and they help kind of give relay information. Um, you know, they'll tell you if there's like comms outings during deployments and stuff, there's, there's, there's resources, but, um, what there aren't resources for, and I wish I kind of knew more was like, they don't tell people when they get married. Like Scott was 30, 30 when we got married and he had to like Google how to like put me on his page too, or, um, you know, update his will and do this and do that. And, and like, 
and then he didn't know how to sign me up for TRICARE, and, and it was just like a whole thing. And Ugh, TRICARE, you that's know, a whole other conversation. Right, this, so, um, and so it's, it's kind of interesting in that regard, but, um, but, then, but then equally as a spouse, there's, there's no um, real ass handbook, you know? There's nothing that like prepares you for the questions you're gonna have that, that have seemed to have wildly confi- conflicting answers. That, and half the time you ask your husband who should know and they don't. Mm-hmm. Like how and do you, I, what yeah. do you, mean you don't know how to do that? Right, so there's a lot of, that. this is the thing about the military and this is actually um, something that it, um, I take very passionately is uh, trans- the, when the, the service members that are transitioning out. My heart and my soul, like, like if I can do anything, I want to prepare my husband for what's next after the Navy. Um, he'll, he'll laugh and he'll joke and he'll say, oh, this is like the first job I've ever had to wear a shirt for because he used to be, um, he used to be a lifeguard at Knott's Berry Farm. And, and it's a funny joke, but truly like, just like we have to navigate the workforce and we only ever knew our civilian life, we also have to be very cognizant when we're job searching as spouses, um, when we are trying to get a job, make friends and stuff. And it's tough because it's like, you're never permanent anywhere. And this, and civilians tend to think at times that, oh, well, like, you know, I know Air Force billets are like five or seven years, but then like, why do you have to leave after two? So anyway, it's very, there's so many ways that this could go, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely, nothing is, they always say, um, plan and then plan for the plan to change, which is impossible. Right. And you know, there are times where we've been on moves where I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're on plan D at this point. Exactly. Everybody. Nothing is set in stone until you get a hard copy set of orders. And then even then they'll change it sometimes. And even then they're going to send him to some school in middle of nowhere. And then you have to figure out how to handle a move by your own, by yourself and stuff. So anyway, first PCS for me and I, and I believe you had like the, did you have um, training or was he like, how many, how long were you in Pensacola? So he was in Pensacola for two years and we had started dating right before he left, a couple months before we left. So we were long distance for a while. We got engaged and then I moved down there a few months before our wedding. Um, and then uh, we got married in December and then I'm trying to remember the dates. We moved in June. So I was living there for about 11 months of the time he was in Pensacola. Okay. So our first big, like, you know, we're married now and we all, we all have to both move together was our move from Pensacola to San Diego, which was- Well, I think that's why you and I connect so well because my first move was to San Diego. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I felt it was just the hard, like- like as easy as he said, the PC, what PCS was, which PC, what, P, sorry, excuse me, acronyms. Um, military likes to speak in acronyms. PCS is just when you move in duty stations. It stands for, it stands for permanent change of station, which is laughable because they're never permanent. I don't know why they, <laughs> I don't know why they call them that. Like, yeah. And you wrote this really brilliant thing and, and you're, I'm reading it right now. And it said one thing about this military spouse community is that even when you do feel like you've got it figured out, you move again and then you have to start over. Yeah. And like, that is the truth. <laughs> They say that the, um, there's this, like a cycle of duty stations where you move there and you, you either you love it initially, you hate it, and you go, oh, I'm really going to be happy here. I'm never going to be happy here, whatever. And you, 
even the ones you hate, you start mm-hmm. to get used to it and you start to, you know, you know, find a place to live and you make friends and it's fine. And then as soon as you're like, Hey, this place isn't so bad. You move again. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's tough. And then, um, for me, what was really interesting was I went from a completely kind of like, yes, the air force was big in Denver and Colorado and all of that. And people, and there was army bases and stuff and, and duty stations and whatnot. But, um, people were like Navy, like in a landlocked state, like, what are you doing here? And my I husband mean, would it, joke and he'd be like, that's, I'm, that's a fair question though. Well, he would joke and cause he, cause he couldn't tell them what he was doing and he would joke and he'd go, Oh yeah. You know, there's an underground sub base. People fell for it. <laughs> Like, and you just kind of have to make a joke and, and run with it. But for me, like, I never in a million years thought I'd be with someone in the military. But it just so happens he's my soulmate. Yeah, there you go. You can't choose who you fall in love with. So as we've kind of touched, like, it defines so much about us, right? But I guess kind of you and I both have kind of felt like the weird kids that never fit in, like, ever. Totally. I felt like that my whole life. Mm-hmm. So Always. I'll let you expand on, on kind of that in terms of like the pastry chef thing and also so, um, military spells. So for starters, I already feel like an outsider because I didn't go to real college, like real college. That's not true. I think, oh. I think culinary school is real. Well, no, I mean, I have a degree. It's, it's valid. But as far as like the traditional American college experience, I didn't mm-hmm, have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I lived at home. I only have a two-year degree. I never lived in a dorm. I mean, I didn't go away for school. So... Right off the bat, that's different. You know, that's unusual. And I've always kind of felt like I don't deserve to be where I am, even though I've earned it. Um, right. I have a, like I said, I have a degree in baking. And my first job out of school was this incredible restaurant in Washington, D.C. Um, I kind of just stumbled onto an ad about it. I was like, oh, they're looking for somebody with pastry experience. I'm like, hey, I have that. So I applied. And I did an on-the-job interview, and they pretty much hired me like I did two days of just working in their kitchen. This is a thing in the restaurant community. You, a lot of times it's called stodging and you just go work in someone's kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm super days. familiar with that, yeah. Sometimes it's um, as like an interview, like, hey, I want to work here. And sometimes it's just like, hey, I just kind of want to see how you guys run things, you know. Um, so I did that for, they did that for two days. They hired me at the end of the second day. And like, as I started working there, I realized I'm like, oh, this place is kind of a big deal. Like year and a half before I started working, they, working there, they were Bon Appetit's, like, best new restaurant of the year. Wow. Like, out of every restaurant in the country, this was the best new restaurant in the country. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is a really big deal. And then a couple months after I started working there, they got a Michelin star, which is a humongous deal. So I wasn't super up to speed on the food scene in Washington, D.C. because I didn't live there. I live 40 miles away. So I started getting into this. I'm like, oh, I kind of just stumbled onto this, and I don't feel like I'm good enough to be here. Yeah. And I, everybody I worked with was, first of all, I was the youngest by far. I was the newest out of school by far. And I was like, I don't, I feel like I'm just winging it, which is silly because I was, I have a degree in pastry. I was qualified to be there. But I'm like, are they all just going to figure out that I'm just, they're all super qualified for this and I'm just winging it. I mean, yeah. I loved working there. Like, I don't want to I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like I didn't like working there. I loved working there. And everyone there was great, but I still just had this lingering feeling in the back of my head where I'm like, I'm winging it. I don't deserve to be here. I, you yeah. know, it's, it's, and that's the imposter syndrome talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally 100% relate to you. I mean, um, obviously, like, 
I, I'm, a, I'm a pantry chef, you know, I, I can cook, like, thank, good, thank goodness for home ec. I learned how to cook. Seriously, I'm, um, I'm a big supporter that we need to bring home ec back. And I love my mom, but my mom's favorite spice is parsley. So I grew up eating kind of not really super flavored food. So I deeply respect the culinary scene. I'm a huge foodie based on deprivation. I call myself a professional foodie sometimes. Um, I kind of like that. I'm, I, 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 should, I should add it to my like, resume. It's kind of what I am because I have the qualifications. Like I went to culinary school. Mm -hmm. So like, not to like sound full of myself, but I do have just a little bit of an edge over a lot of people that call themselves foodies. I'm like, well, y you know, but so a lot of times I call myself a professional foodie, which is silly and it's not a real title, but you know, when I'm not right. working and I just want to eat things, it makes it feel, you know, justified. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, but it's interesting to hear that even in the culinary world, this notion of imposter syndrome is still happening because for me, like I, my last position kind of fell into my lap. I moved here as we PCS here, had interviewed literally wandering around. Like I had this great interview and inside the lobby of the, of the Navy lodge, um, the, you know, the old one with like the rocking chairs, the Navy lodge. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was like the Navy Gate or the Navy Lodge, but regardless, it was... On, on Coronado or 32nd Street? No, um, it, this was in Pensacola. Oh, in Pensacola. Oh, I don't know uh, if I ever went to that one, but I did not, I've not heard good things about it. <sighs> I mean, Navy, it, Navy it, lodges, it, you, Navy make lodges it work. Navy lodges, are, Navy lodges are super hit or miss. They're, right. Sometimes they're like these like tiny little hotels in the middle of nowhere. And sometimes they're like the ones on Coronado and you're like, wow, this is incredible. Right, right. And... um. And it's, it's hard for me because I don't want any of my guests to feel, or not my guests, but any of, because you're my guest. I don't want anyone to feel super left out um, regarding this conversation. But basically, if you've never been on a, a, a military base before, there's uh, quite a number of things that you wouldn't know. Um, uh, there's like a hotel and, you know, a grocery store. Right. Um, a post office usually. Sometimes there's a post office. Yes. Because there are people that live on base depending on where you go. So, you know, they need grocery stores and post offices and, you know, all those things too. Right, right. Um, so there's, you know, there's this thing called the Navy Exchange and Navy Exchange um, is like, it's called the, I don't know. It's like, it, there's the commissary, which is well, like the, the grocery store. The, grocery, the commissary is the grocery part. The next yeah. is just the, everything else. It's like going to a Best Buy or a Target or something. Right. And, um, the cheapest place you can get Tom's and then it's all tax free. It's the cheapest um, place you can get a lot of name brand things. Yeah. So, and it's, 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 um, I think they do this kind of as a way to, uh, you know, help and give back. Like you definitely, there's two times, there's two times a month that you do not want to go to the exchange. Payday. 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 15th and the 30th because, or um, Depending on the days of the month, sometimes it'll be like the 24th or the 24th, the 14th or, you know, whatever. But right. whenever payday, yeah, avoid the commissary on payday. <laughs> anyway, so, and we're in San Diego and San Diego has the largest, one of the largest uh, military populations uh, in, in the United States. Um, second only to like Norfolk, I think. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of military. Um, and for me, when I moved here, I finally felt like I was understood because I met more spouses, more spouses closer to my age range. Um, cause I'm 30. Um, maybe they don't want children right now, but you know, they're not making, you know, decisions one way or the other. 
yet. Um, and we'd all kind of been married around the same time. So you've been married over two years. Yes. Uh, for me, it'll be three years, October 13th, which is funny because it's the Navy's birthday. <laughs> and we were, so it's our excuse to not go to the Navy ball. Um, there you go. but regardless, I mean, there's some, there's so many positives to being a spouse. Like there's st like, if you're like, I would never want this conversation to dissuade someone from wanting to. Oh yeah. It's not all bad. I, it's not all bad. I get to live in San Diego. Exactly. Like we bought a house I out here. Living. We're going to retire here. Like, and I'm so, I'm so lucky to love living here. Yeah. Me too. People that are just miserable in their duty stations. You know, and Sandy. Yeah, exactly. San Diego's beautiful and the yes. weather's great and it's, there's so much to do and it's, yeah, the cost of living is high, but you know, there are things to offset that. And, um, but I'm, I'm so much, I'm so glad we're here and not instead of, you know, like in the middle of Nebraska somewhere, like I'm really well, lucky yeah. that I like where we live right now. I, I, I took the PCS. So Scott gave me advice because he's every PCS he's tried to change something, um, about himself. And like, like as much as it sucks, like having to like leave duty stations every so many years or whatever, um, the best advice my husband gave me was during this move, don't be sad. Think about what you want to change about yourself and lean into it. Oh, and so that. That's good. when I moved, I decided I'm no longer going to not be myself. I'm going to be upfront and whether it's good or bad, I am who I am. I, you know, like not to talk negatively about myself, but I'm a spouse and I'm going to use that sadly to my disadvantage because I'm very, I have to, it's part of my thread. Right. And I can't be ashamed. And I, yeah, like I'll lose out on jobs. Like I, I'm, I, I'm not, I, I've lost out on jobs. Right. But, and it, and it's, and it sucks, but it's the right thing to do for me to tell them I'm not permanent. Like I can't lie. Like that's not, hey, I, I had a job that I interviewed for about six months before we left Pensacola and I was a shoe in for this job. I was overqualified for this job, but like the person interviewing me seemed like they really, they really liked me and that like this seemed really promising and when they found out I might be, I couldn't hold, I couldn't hold it in. I'm like, I, I feel dishonest. I got to tell you. And they didn't hire me. And I was so upset because I, at that point, couldn't find a job because no one would hire me because we were moving in six months. But I didn't want to not disclose that because I felt dishonest. So right. it's a tough spot to be in. I wanted to take a second and stop right here and just kind of let that sink in for a second. These military spouses from all of the branches that may or may not have careers feel ashamed, conflicted, and terrified of saying that they're a spouse in a job interview for fear that they will not get it. Um, but I know I didn't get laid off because I'm a military spouse. Right. I got laid off because the like budget COVID. Like I got laid you know? off. I, not laid off. I got temporarily furloughed from right. my job until COVID blows over. And that has nothing to do with me being a military spouse. That has everything to do with just the way the world is. The way the way, yeah, exactly. And I know like my situation's not unique and you know, whatever. Um, so <laughs> but it's it's interesting because through this COVID stuff, like you and I have reconnected. Like we met each other like fleeting one time. I yeah. definitely loved you the second I met you. I was hey. like, this person. But you get so busy. The milita military is so busy because you have to 
you're constantly switching your schedule around to match his. And then you, when you balance that on a career, it's a lot. It's like, mentally exhausting. That's right. how I always describe it. It's mentally exhausting. The mental gymnastics of trying to figure mm-hmm. out schedules and trying to figure out, are you going to be home? Oh, you're going to be gone for a week for training? This is the first time hearing of that. Cool. Like the <laughs> mental gymnastics of trying to get everything straight and, oh, this is happening and you're going to be gone, but they're coming to work on our apartment. It, 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 there's a lot. It's just so many things at once. Right. And then there's the level of like, when they're gone, there's this thing called OPSEC, where, which is like operations, like just the, operations the way you can security. talk about. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's operate. It's OPSEC, the way it's, OPSEC, it's what yeah. you can and can't say. Um, like they, they, like they, they'll tell you like, don't put like a ribbon on your car that says, love my sailor. Like don't like, don't fly, like fly a Navy flag. Like, th- like there's, there's, it's like, it's crazy amount of security, but like not to play into like, Ooh, I'm yeah, a woman like, and I'm a victim, but like, I'm alone sometimes. Yeah, like, and like, when my husband deploys, I won't know where he is. Exactly. We won't know. Um, I know he's going to be on a ship and I can, I think I'm allowed to know the name of the ship. But I, I have, I am not given any, I'm not allowed to have any information on where the ship is going. Oh, exactly. Because, because, and, and we're in a day and age where social media, one wrong thing can truly be very dangerous. And, um, the, you know, in the military, like just as a blanket statement to everyone, like, please, you know, think of your service members safety when you share any information. Usually the rule is. If it's in the news, you can share it. Exactly. If it's in the news, you can share it. Um, and uh, if it comes from the ombudsman, you know, like, oh, they're like, Joy Comms is going down or whatever. Like, then then you can also like, you'll know, okay, like, I'm not going to hear from them for a couple of days. Right. Um, but anyway, I, like, it's, it's just like such a weird, like, they don't explain it to you. No. You kind of have to figure it out as you go along. So let's go back to TRICARE. Um, TRICARE is what we have um, as, it's our healthcare system. Um, I got so much conflicting information about whether I should stay prime or select, which is the two branches. Um, So I switched to select this year. I was on prime um, and uh, that select allows me to choose my provider. We can see I, civilian doctors. On exactly. Um, I, you know, I found a new OBGYN. I think she's amazing. Um, they like, like it, it's, it was a really positive experience, but my experience on TRICARE has been, it is incredible when you need it. It is a nightmare when you're just trying to get an appointment somewhere. And I have also found too, that it's incredible if you're healthy. Right. If you're healthy and you don't really take a lot of medications or the yes. medications you take have generics and you know, if you're a exactly. healthy person, it's great to have. And also in this day and age, I am so, so fortunate to have healthcare. I'm just going to. Right. Exactly. Like I feel very, Especially I feel very you and blessed. I, neither, neither you or I are working right now. I am mm-hmm. so, so fortunate to have healthcare. Yeah. And it's just funny because like, um, I, you know, my HR manager on the way out, she was like, Oh, you probably don't need this form. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you yeah, know, I'm and still- I, I, you just have to giggle like, um, so, so yeah, and then so TRICARE, yeah. but if you're yeah. someone who, like I had been taking a medication before I got on TRICARE that doesn't have a generic. When I right. got on TRICARE, I, I jumped through so many hoops trying to get it covered. They wouldn't cover it. I had to switch to a different medicine that I don't like as much, but you know, I'm dealing with it. But again, I'm happy to have healthcare. So I'm a lot, right. we're a lot more fortunate, even though TRICARE sucks sometimes, we're a lot more fortunate than others provided we have healthcare. Absolutely. And I don't want, and I, I also don't, I'm thinking about the optics of this conversation. I don't want to make it sound like 
you know, like we're so privileged and it's exciting and whatever, but you know, I mean, there are some really amazing things that can come from it. TRICARE is one of them. Um, there's some amazing, the Navy has the best duty stations. You can, Oh, absolutely. uh, You're almost always going to be on a coast somewhere. (laughs) Unless you're in Colorado on a joint billet. (laughs) And as somebody who grew up in a Navy town by the water, being by the water is so comforting to me. Being landlocked stresses me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, so, you know, for me, I really didn't. So I was born in Minnesota and then I traded Minnesota for, Colorado and it's a little bit less harsh of winter, yeah. but they, and they'll say it, there's 300 days of sunshine, um, in, in Colorado, which 300 plus I would say, cause you know, it'll, but I also feel like I've had better weather patterns in San Diego and, oh, yeah. um, I don't know who I am anymore because people are like, you're going to miss seasons. And I fully had to run my heat two weeks ago. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, it they're not as drastic, cold. but we definitely have seasons here. It, it, and it's not the same kind of cold. It is like a, it, it's like a chill. I don't know how to explain it. It's because you're used to, your body's used to like these temperatures of like 65, you know, minimum. And right. then, and then it'll rain and it's freezing rain. And it's 50 degrees outside. And it's 50 degrees out. Um, so it's pretty crazy, you know, but I, I hope the, uh, the, the rain keeps up because I don't want wildfire season again. Yeah. It's been, everything's been so green. It's been mm-hmm. great. I hope it's, I hope it keeps up. Right. So yeah, I'm, and then, um, I don't know where I was going. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like San Diego, living in San Diego has been a pretty big blessing. Um, I don't know if you feel more connected or not, like kind of how I mentioned, like it was nice to be around more people that understood. Yeah, I would say so. And one of the things too is this is just personal and probably comes down to the imposter syndrome. I didn't, I had issues getting involved when we were living in Pensacola. So for those that don't know, um, Pensacola, it, pretty much every Navy pilot passes through Pensacola at some mm-hmm. point. Yep. And they're broken down into squadrons, and the squadrons depend on where you are in the program and what aircraft you're going to yep. be flying. And some of these squadrons have spouses groups. But the spouses groups, they, they technically invite the spouses of the student pilots, but they're really more for the instructor pilot mm-hmm. spouses. So as someone who really struggles with imposter syndrome, I'm like, I don't really feel like this is for me. I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. So I didn't really go to things. So, but now that my husband is, you know, he's graduated flight school and he, you know, he's in a working squadron. I'm a little bit more comfortable doing those things, but still not, not fully. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, um, that that makes total sense. And I kind of had a similar situation where like I was the girlfriend and then we got married and then I got added to the, um, to the tiny little spouse page in Denver. And, and, and then when I moved here, I was like, man, like, is there, is there one? And there really isn't a specific one for the ship. Um, so yeah. my husband's on a ship of like 1900 or so people, um, you know, and I, and like the officer community is a little smaller than the enlisted population on the ship, of course, because you've got a lot of sailors, right. you know, two, 300 in birthings, which are like where they sleep the racks. Um, and so, so it's kind it was kind of overwhelming and intimidating going from that to a gigantic thing. Like we went to the Christmas party, um, which happened to be downtown in San Diego. You had a beautiful view of the Bay and it was like, 
overwhelming how many people were there. And I was like, should I be here? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, it's, it's interesting too, because I find that my, like I, we were kind of talking about this, you and I, like the other day with that, like our husbands, like they meet someone else in the military and they just start talking acronyms and then yeah. they're talking work stuff and they're commiserating yeah. together and, and, and they call each other by their, like, by their rankings and then their last name. It's just a weird thing yeah, that you just don't really get used to. And I'm just hoping that eventually, like, I don't want to be like that. I never want to be a spouse that like makes anyone feel left out for sure. Same. But I think like, I'm hoping that COVID kind of helps change perspectives a little bit for people because um, I feel a lot more connected to like you and our friend Angela. Um, and um, I, I feel a lot more connected uh, to kind of the, 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 the few spouses I have met. Um, I talk to them pretty regularly now. So I, I think like, while they can't really relate to me 100% because like you guys are all on different ships and whatever. Right. Um, we at least all have that kind of resounding we can't go anywhere right now. Yes. Um, and it's just interesting. It's an interesting time. It is an interesting time. And there's already, you know, how tricky it can be in general. And now you throw a global pandemic on top of it and it's just, it feels pretty impossible. Right. Right. And, um, you know, just kind of like how we mentioned, like there's no real handbook to like becoming an no. officer spouse or anything like that. Right, there's um, no handbook for, and there's no handbook for anything. There's no handbook for it. Uh, I believe in the 1950s there was, I could, I Googled it, I couldn't figure it out. Um, yeah, I keep hearing that spouses from like 30 years ago when they got married, they were given like a, was essentially. Given a like a misogynistic book, yes. Yeah, it was, oh, it was very misogynistic. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I just wonder what was in it and I wonder why they stopped doing, I don't wonder why they stopped doing that. I wonder why, I know why they probably stopped the one that they had, but we can keep the handbook thing up. That would be super helpful. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's just interesting that that's like a thing. There's no handbook. Um, there's no like, there's like, there's like no correct way. They like, they don't tell you how to address people. Um, you just kind of like, I, 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 I don't know if you're like this, but at Navy events, I kind of wait until I'm spoken to. And I hate that I do that. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I don't know who you are. And they, they're like, you can't get a word in edgewise. Um, <laughs> and you're like, oh no, <laughs> this makes yeah, no sense. Definitely. Uh, but, it, but it's just kind of funny because it's so, like, I, I kind of feel like you do. Like, I, like, I feel weird going on the base. I feel weird handing my spousal ID. Like I'm fully qualified, allowed right. to be. The only criteria is, are you married to somebody in the Navy? Yes. Congratulations. Come right on. Like it's not, there's not any crazy hoops you have to jump through, but it's still like, I don't know if I. Right. I'm right. Here. Yeah. So it, it's, inter it's, it's, it's just funny because like I have imposter syndrome, like 100% fully, fully, like I'm a very uh, yeah, anxious same. person and I, I never felt like I fit in all of that. Um, and, uh, to be honest, like uh, the conversations you and I've been having, like, you know, we're trying to figure out what success looks like and like, how do you define that currently? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. At this point to me, success is thriving instead of surviving, which is kind of a cliche, but it's true. Cause there are definitely places where we've lived where I felt like I was just surviving. That's interesting that you say that. I, I actually agree with you. Yeah. There's um, definitely places like, I feel like for the most part, 
in San Diego compared to other places, I mean, you put COVID-19 aside, I'm, with kids would say we're thriving, but there are definitely places where I'm like, I'm just trying to survive. Right. And I love that you kind of, what you said, I'm reading what you said. You said that you feel successful in your marriage. And if I had a gold star to give you, I would. That's the only place I feel successful. Yep. It's the only person that I don't feel like an imposter around is my husband because, you know, he picked me for who I am Mm -hmm. and he knows me better than anybody. So if, you know, if he likes me, he probably has a reason, you know. Yep, and we and, he knows and, better than anybody. So exactly. if he likes me, he's, this, he's mm-hmm. got him sure, you know. And um, it's it's just very uh, interesting um, too, as well. That uh, um, yes, we are married to our spouses. Yes, we are their we are their um, their stress relief. Their their home away from home. We are their anchor, right. um, and and we're going through it with them. So people will often say, "Thank you for your service to me," and I am I just go, "Oh God." Like, but, but that makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable because I'm just doing the best. Like I'm doing what I have to do because he'll go to jail if he doesn't go to work. I wish we could change the narrative of what people say to military spouses. Yes. That was where I was going with this. I think that it, it, I know it even makes members of the military uncomfortable when they're, they said, Oh, thank you for your service. Cause a lot of times they're like, I don't really feel like I do anything that important, but, Mm -hmm. um, when they, when thank you for your service. I said to spouses, a lot of them are like, well, we don't serve. And some people say, well, you do serve. And it's, it's not sure. It's not that we don't do anything. It's just, it's different. I wish we could change the narrative. And I wish people would look at spouses and say something like, thank you for your support. Right. Right. I had someone say that to me one time and I was like, that is what I like to hear. Yes. Cause I don't like the whole, we serve too mentality because I mean, we do stuff, but it's way different. It's way different. We it's we're different. making different sacrifices. Yes. And more than anything, we're not serving as much as we are supporting the person that is. So I wish people would say something like, thank you for your support. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, Another hotbed topic that you and I were talking about, um, and actually, like, I was talking to my husband about it, uh, is the notion of, well, when when you're talking to a civilian or someone who doesn't understand it, and they go, well, you signed up for it. And we did. To to Mm -hmm. an extent, we did. But I don't like, you know, saying, yeah, I signed up for this because I find that a lot of people take that and they throw it back in my face of anytime I complain about anything, they go, mm-hmm. mm, no, you signed up for this. And I'm like, that's not constructive at all. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it hurts my feelings because um, my family actually says that to me a lot. And it, I know it's because it comes from a place of them not understanding what I'm right. going through. And also my mom wanting me to toughen up and, and like just cry it out and get back to supporting my husband. Right. Um, but it is, a, it is a loneliness that I can't describe. It, I, I hope that this conversation is not coming off as depressing and we, we don't no, sound I mean, sad. I hope it's not either. And I hope it's more... Yeah. I hope it almost brings some transparency to the mm-hmm. military spouse community because I, everyone, I was, in, my husband and I were engaged. A lot of like, you know, people that I'd grown up with because I grew up in Annapolis that were, you know, either retired military spouses, they would like pat me on the back and say things like, oh, you know, it's going to be great. You'll see the world and you'll make lots of friends. And I'm like, <laughs> wondering when the friend part kicks in because it's the, every, the way a lot of people talk about, I don't know if things have changed in, in you know, the last 20 years or so, but the way that people had talked about it was, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's a great community. It's a great, it's a giant sorority. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. And I don't 
think that that's as common as people like to act like it is. Right. I was basically what I'm saying is the description of the military spouse community that I was given prior to getting married is so not what it actually is. Oh, oh, definitely. That's the, and point, that's the point I'm trying to make. It, no, that, no, you're, you're, you're spot on there. It's funny because it's like my, you know, my, 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 my parents were like, oh, you'll see the world. It's like, or I'm going to Hawaii or like, you know, like, like hey, I don't, there are you, worse you, you, you get, there are you get a couple of options. You get a couple of options. You weigh out what's best for their career and then you go. Like, oh, and then half the time they, they don't care and they send you wherever they want anyway. Right. So, I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's tit for tat. It's, it's a weird time. Um, you know, and, and, and I guess what, like the, the main points of this conversation that like I want to hit home on is imposter syndrome is completely rampant among military spouses. Um, you know, Shelby and I are not unique. No, not at all. Well, I'm not saying we're not like we are unique. We are very (laughs) interesting people, but we're not unique in feeling this way. Um, and I, I guess I want to bring a little humility and, and light into, I would like that we would like the narratives to change on how people support us. Um, and to understand that like COVID is a lonely thing for everyone, but imagine, imagine, you know, we, we, like she and I are, she and I are basically in a thruple, a thruple basically where you're married to your husband but they're the married military to the is the but they're married to the military. So so you have a third passenger that's just backseat driving the whole time. Um and it and it really defines and shapes you. Um and it, it just it's it's interesting. It rewires your brain. Like <laughs> for sure. And one of the crazy things too is uh with COVID, I'm seeing a lot of people that like clearly have never had the government cancel their plans before. <laughs> I love that meme. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is just how the, this is, you know, oh, we, we're not going anywhere. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Did no. you see the meme I shared? Because I've, I've seen I, so many, so many variations <laughs> of the, some of you have never had the government cancel your plans before and it shows. Yeah, yeah. I I've, think seen it's, many, I think I've seen many, many variations of that. I think it's a little but, like, bitchy. This is, but you know, I the think, government yeah. canceling things it's or funny. moving things for us is just, that's, that's you know, that's yeah, every, it's every day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think like, I, I feel really good about kind of how we've covered this topic and yeah, I kind of want to move on to like the more fun stuff. Cause I don't want us to sound like Eeyore. Um, yeah, no, I truly, not, Shelby like I said, and I are happy people. We really are. Um, like I said, it's not all bad. I'm looking out my window at sunshine and palm trees. So, I'm doing so I have to, I'm doing when, okay. I, when I record, I have to shut like I've, I've every, this is my third episode. So every time I do it, something happens. So I had to like put a sign on my door that said like, please don't knock my dog. We'll go ballistic. I'm recording a podcast. Right. And then, and uh, then I like shut the bedroom door because like kids will run up and down the alley, which I'm totally fine with because get like, like get your PE class in, please. Yeah. (laughs) Healthy. You need fresh air. Um, And, and then today it's like, and, and then I, ha- and then my AirPods weren't connecting. So it's been kind of an interesting thing. So I now have my format down. I now exactly know what I'm doing and, and as, as we're guinea pigging it, but we're going to move on off of the topic at hand and we're going to talk about something you're fanatical about, which, um, oh, we've talked about this. Yeah. I am a Trader Joe's fanatic. Yes. Trader Joe's is not my favorite, not just my favorite grocery store. It's my favorite store, period. I love Trader Joe's. I'm just not close enough to one. And we were kind of have, discussing I'm it. So, so our last duty station, I was three hours from a Trader Joe's and now I have mm. two. That's so nice. It's, I was, it's the greatest. I love it. 
I love I love grocery shopping. I do too. And I love Trader Joe's because Trader Joe's is a fun way of grocery shopping. They always have fun new things. And I'm always like, like there's always stuff that's new that I haven't right. seen before. It's always really like creative. What is a food item that they took away that you want to see come back? Ooh, the frozen Arancini bites. Oh, I loved those. Those were so good. And I went, when we moved here, I went, I was bu- trying to buy them for something and I went looking for them and they were gone. And I was like, oh, they discon- I, I'm always so sad when they discontinue something good. They used to have these, you could get them in the front. This is what I would, I loved doing it. I was like the master of making uh, tikka masala pizzas by mm-hmm. using Trader Joe's tikka masala, red onion. Um, I that won't say great. this because, because I just read your unpopular opinion, but that was on it. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and kind of this, uh, and like, and like a a goat cheese kind of, and it's like, it was like a play on like that, but they had these, um, pizza crusts that you, by the time you had preheated the oven, they were thin enough that you could put them on a pizza stone and they would crisp up immediately. It was like, it was like an actual dough Mm -hmm. and, um, I can't find them. Like they don't carry them anymore. And I'm like, why they were so cheap. You can make things and I'm like, that's incredible. Why did you get rid of it? Right. But I mean, their whole philosophy is they, you know, they have to get rid of some things to make room for new things. So, you know, I'm always happy for new things. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I love Trader Joe's. And then I think this is really cute, but like, uh, Shelby, um, do you want to talk about like what you do with the bags? Oh, yeah. So, okay. Any state with more than three locations, tra- more than three Trader Joe's locations, they have a state-specific reusable bag. You can only buy it in that state. So I'm collecting them. That's my new, this is my new favorite mm-hmm. collection. I have about, I don't know, 12 different states and I'm trying to collect as many more as possible. Um, I have, I, it's very or particular about having one from everywhere I've lived, as many places as I can visit. And when people will mail me them, that's great too. Um, so I have a Southern California, an Arizona, Florida, Washington State, Maryland, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Mexico, Ohio, New York, Indiana, and Virginia. And I think I may have a couple more. I think I'm, I think I'm forgetting one. But this is like a weird, just so, I just, I like it. They're all really cool. And they all have really, like, well, like the state flower or the state bird. Or they, yeah, they, they, they are really like, cool. They're really cool. Like I got the New Mexico one and it has like green chilies on it. And you know, my friends, and yeah. And it's, it's super cool. My Currently friend. on the hunt for Northern, they actually, they split it for California. There's a Northern California bag and a Southern California bag. I'm so I'm um, on the hunt for the Northern California, California. bag um, and Tennessee and Washington, D.C. So I have a friend that is in Sacramento, so I will have her check her yes, Trader please. Joe's. Yes, please. I would love that. Yeah. Um, Brittany, I know you're listening to this because you will be a podcast guest one of these days, <laughs> um, but can you send Shelb a bag? <laughs> send me a Northern California bag. I love you forever. And um, I like, I'm curious what you're going to do with it when you collect all of them. I don't know. I mean, I use them. Like, I, I'm not, they're not right, like, it's not like, right. it's not like a shrine to Trader Joe's. I use them. But at this point, my, my, my basket of reusable grocery bags is just growing and growing and growing. Oh my God, same. And but people I leave love stuff in my house. Use for, I use them for things other than groceries, but I have, and they, the cashiers always comment on my, on my bags. So I was like, so oh, this is such a cool one. I'm like, yeah, that's from Indiana or that's from New Mexico or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So Scott has, um, so, you know, like, I think the, as much as I love their, um, topical, like state bags. Um, Scott happens to like, he'll take 
one bag to work. It's a Trader Joe's bag, the canvas one. He loves is it. The it. canvas one with the vegetables on it? But then, no, just canvas, just says Trader Joe's. Um, I have a canvas one that has like all these colorful vegetables on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, but no, no, not that one. It's just like a plain canvas bag. I, I don't even think they make them anymore. Like they were mine, and then he yeah. decided they're there, they're his. So every time I need a reusable bag, I can't find one. And the one I want, which carries the most amount of stuff, is sitting in his stateroom on the ship. <laughs> so, so I mean, as much as that annoys me, I now kind of miss it, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, sure. But yeah, so I guess that brings us to um, your unpopular opinion. So um, what, 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 what's, what's that one going to be? Cilantro is garbage, and I will die <laughs> on this hill. This is the hill I die on. Um, apparently there's a thing where certain people that hate cilantro have this, it's genetic and it's a certain gene that makes cilantro taste like soap. Yeah. And this is especially tragic for someone who lives in Southern California, which is, and for San Diego, it's practically called almost Mexico. Cilantro is on everything. It's, and it's, it's the worst. And I feel like the worst person in the world, but I'm like, can you make that without cilantro? Um, yeah. I hate, yeah. I want to like it because it's in everything, but I can't get, it tastes like soap. I'm one of those unlucky people. It is, um, it's, it's funny because sometimes cilantro, I, I, I said this, uh, recently, sometimes cilantro to me tastes a little soapy mm -hmm. and I think our taste buds actually change over time. Don't at me. I'm not a scientist, but I do believe that like our bodies change tolerances to certain things as we grow and change and you know, what, 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 what tastes like something one way, you know, is another, but I, I've read that it's a gene. Yeah, it is. And, but I do, I, I have heard that about the taste buds changing. So I do periodically try it just to see <laughs> if anything's changed. And there was one time I tasted something, it was in like an herb mix or something and I tasted it and it was incredible. And at first, my first thought was, hold on, is this cilantro? Is this what cilantro tastes like to everybody else? It wasn't cilantro, but I was really hoping. Yeah. I, I, I definitely like, I wish I, I wish I had that gene sometimes cause I'm confused why it sometimes tastes soapy to me and sometimes yeah. doesn't. I will never understand, like but I don't think that's a bad opinion by any means. I mean, you just, that's your taste buds. It's just unpopular. And a lot of people are like, what tomorrow is the best. And I'm like, it tastes like soap. What are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's cilantro is trash. That's all. So we've kind of touched on like, you know, all the things, you know, were that, that we needed to, needed to discuss here. So we'll get to, as we wrap up, um, what are you, like, do you have anything that you'd want to promote? Um, so the biggest thing right now is if you have the means and your local restaurants are open, get takeout. Right. Uh, but get takeout, buy alcohol if they're selling it, tip well. Um, the restaurant industry has never faced anything like this before. Their restaurants right. are closing. Like, you know, they're all shuttering. A lot of them won't reopen once this passes because they just financially can't afford to. Most of the restaurant industry employees have been laid off or furloughed. So if your favorite restaurant is still open and they're doing takeout, buy takeout, order takeout. Right, I mean, exactly. Follow, follow social distancing practices, of course. Yes. Order takeout, for sure. Yes. Because if we don't, a lot of the ones you like might not reopen when this passes. So yes. that's, my, that's my big thing is support, support the restaurant industry right now. We need it. I agree with that. And I am uh, by nature an extreme over tipper. It's my husband always gets after me about it, but I did work in service industry yeah. for almost a year. Um, 
So I agree with that 100%. And so I will echo that. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, make sure that you are helping the small businesses and trying to give your money to the small businesses in your community where you can. Yeah. And, and if they're doing takeout alcohol yeah. and you drink, buy it. Because alcohol, one of the places restaurants are really hurting is uh, food for profit margins. Food profit margins are really, really thin. And most restaurants make a lot of their money on alcohol sales. And because all the bars are closed, they're not making as much money. So if they're, you know, if your favorite cocktail is available to go, get it. Right, well, exactly. It's a win-win. You get to enjoy a great cocktail and they get to enjoy the, what the markup is on that because alcohol is how they make money. So, oh, exactly. Yeah. Like, um, cocktail. basically go to your favorite, if they're still open, go to your favorite restaurant, get your favorite cocktail to go and tip well. Yes. They need that. They need all the help they can get. Absolutely. And you have anything, any parting words for me? I don't think so. This has been great. <laughs> of course. Thank you so much, Shelby. Um, and I hope that you have a great day. Give your dog Pippa my love and yeah. we will talk soon. Thanks so much. I'd like to leave this on some parting notes. Military and being with your loved ones that's stationed or in the armed forces, while it's very difficult, it can be ultimately rewarding. And I also wanna give a shout out to the LGBTQIA spouses out there. I want you to know that your struggles are just as valid and we understand you probably more than you can know. So don't ever be afraid to reach out to myself, Shelby on the podcast today, or anyone in your command. Thank you for listening to Please Don't Kick Me Out. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, and I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks so much.